0: Welcome to the Aftershock, the Earthquakes with the 2-1 to victory over Real Salt Lake. You had the Galasso from Rubio Rubin and the Brace from the legend Chris Wondolowski. I got Alex Morgan and Colin Etnaya from Quakes Epicenter here with me, and we are going to have Matias Almeida and Chris Wondolowski with us uh, in the press conference tonight. Thumbs up from Alex Morgan, that means yes. Uh, Guys, your general takes after the resilient 2-1 to victory from the San Jose Earthquakes. What do you think there? Colin, you got your mic ready to go. What, what do you gotta say?
1: I mean, Phil, we, we we called it right two to one. That was in the pregame. we said that's how it was gonna go. <laughs> now, yeah, of course, Phil yeah. and I both <laughs> called it for RSL. So we sure. got it dead wrong. Um Alex was probably the most uh Quake's optimistic and he went with the two two, which is a totally valid uh uh guess to have, especially given the, the hey, way. NA Patel you know, was on it. Oh, yeah, and A. I think a uh, was was the the most optimistic of all of us. Um I, I mean, this is a bit of a smash and grab because they were not, this is not a Quakes team that was at their sharpest. This is not their best performance, Um, but they held on, they dug in and, you know, but it's funny. If you look at the sheet after the match of the XGs here, both Wando goals are going to look like they're high XG uh, because, you know, he has a tap in from, I think less than six yards out and he has the header in between the center backs also probably about six yards out. It's going to look like those are both, you know, give me chances, but there are not a lot of forwards in the league who put themselves into the position to get that to happen in the first place. You know, this is not an example of a striker converting a high, you know, high percentage chance that was made for him. Both of those are positions where he got into the position, he made that for him. That's those are just two bits of magic out of nothing. Uh, I mean, it's a joy to watch this guy at 38. It's a joy to watch this guy at any age. Uh, What a joy. And
0: you know what? He fully took advantage of Eric Holt being being in there in his first MLS match of the season, his first minutes of the season, his first minutes, as we said in the pregame discussion on the uh, the Twitter space that we had for Quake's Epicenter that Holt had not seen the field since October of last year. And Wando completely eats him for breakfast and gets two goals off of him because both times Eric Holt was ball watching. If you guys saw that,
2: yeah, I mean I can't imagine being Eric Holt getting thrown into the game, going up against Cade Cowell for the first like 80 minutes. Uh, Cade Cowell, an absolute beast. He's physically bullying you all game, and then oh, 75 minute mark, you have to face Chris Wondolowski now. You're tired. You've been running this whole game, and this Wondolowski is just coming in and uh, you know preying on you in all those spaces. And I actually think that's what makes this Quakes team really dangerous offensively now is that they have a ton of different weapons. You start Kay Cowell up top, he tires the defense. Then you put on Chris Wondolowski as the super sub. You also have Carlos Fierro in there who played a beautiful ball into Chris Wondolowski for the second goal. That cross was just immaculate. You have Christian Espinosa, you have trophies, you had Andy Rios contributing in the the last little bit there. And so to have all these different options uh, is something they haven't had before. Uh, and that's what makes them so dangerous offensively. I think, you know, this, this
1: offense
2: is enough to take them to the playoffs. And if the defense uh, can, you know, can hold up this season, I think they have a good chance of going pretty far this year.
0: Alex, I want to note you mentioned Andy Rios. I think that was an incredible uh, read from him on the on the pass to Shea Salinas on the first goal. So we had the the play swung from the right side by Eric Rometty to the center. Christian Espinosa finds Andy Rios in in the middle, right, and a nine position essentially. He has to hold up the play, find the pass, or or take a shot on goal, which he didn't have. He sends the ball out to the left to Shea Salinas. Shea Salinas finds Carlos Fierro, who takes a quite a hit onto the goal. And Chris Wondolowski is just ready for the rebound, right? So you got to give Andy Rios all the credit there for finding that pass to Shea Salinas in a really tight, a really tight spot. I want to go back and frame this really quickly, okay? As the host, I feel like I didn't do this first. The earthquakes flew into Real Salt Lake today. We're talking about a 4,000-foot elevation change from San Jose, which is at 82 feet elevation, to Sandy, Utah, which is at 4,450 feet elevation. Now, I mean, just flying on a plane in a day, the the dehydration issues, the, uh, you know, the possible muscle strains and cramps, the things that we have to deal with as non-athletes, these guys have to have to deal with, too, just as much. Right. So they come in here and they're ready to play. And what's incredibly impressive from a lot of these players, guys like Eric Rometty, Jackson Yule, is from the first minute of the match, they were ready to play and they ran full on 100 percent and taking it to RSL.
2: I mean, yeah, they ran their butts off and they worked all game. And that's how they were able to pull out a result. But I wouldn't exactly say that they uh, looked very strong all game. I thought they looked really stretched out in the first half. I thought that RSL were definitely the team pushing the tempo and controlling the game for the majority of the match. Uh, In the first half, frankly, the Quakes looked pretty sloppy. I mean, they were misfiring crosses. They were... Giving the ball away. If you look at RSL's goal, I mean, it was a gorgeous, incredible bicycle kick from Ruben, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And I mean, there's probably not much the Quakes could have done about that bicycle kick itself, but the throw in from which they conceded that bicycle kick, it was just Marcos Lopez passing the ball right out of bounds, like a 60 yard mishit pass. And, you know, I think that was sort of uh, representative of how the Quakes played uh, in in the first half, they looked, uh, yeah, really stretched. And Matias Almeida was complaining. I think in part he could see that coming in his midweek press conference. He, uh, he complained, he went on a long tangent about how difficult it is to travel on game day. So I think Matias Almeida could kind of see it coming because of how much the man marking system demands from his players to have to travel to, you know, 4,500 feet elevation and play in the same day. Is is really challenging and really demanding, and I think I think you could see the Quakes struggle with that in the first half. Uh, but I mean, it just it's it's testament to the fitness that he has that they were able to keep going all the way until the end.
0: Oh man, you had such a you had such a good rebuttal to everything I said until the last thing, which is this a testament to the fitness. Which really, the Quakes were very fit out uh, on the pitch, taking it to RSL. But also, um, and this is another counter to the point, Alex. Like I agree, some you know with some of the things that you just said. But if you look at the possession stats, it really was the mistakes. That's all that it was the mistakes that allowed RSL into this game because they did dominate in possession in the first half and in the second half. There were some mistakes, but however. Um, it just took, like, a world-class goal for RSL to even get on the board. Let's let's keep that in mind, too. Without that, I mean, I don't know. You can never determine what's going to happen if a goal is or isn't or is scored. But without that goal, the Quakes have a clean sheet, right? So there's that, too.
1: Um, well, we should give credit where credit's due. You know, it's sometimes it's you know, obviously when you're covering a team from one side we focus on the quakes part of the equation, right? Which is really sloppy passing, which is absolutely true, particularly in the first half. Um, it, it did seem like a little bit like the pitch was, took some getting to used to for the players because, you know, the way the ball was skipping right off of it, def- and, and there was a lot of loose touches and like, but we do have to give credit to RSL. They came out with a real aggressive press uh, in a way that I think that we probably weren't expecting because they are generally a lower block team. Uh, but they they just—they clearly decided that we're, we're going to get in the quake space early. We're going to press them high up the pitch. Uh, and so you see the sloppy passing with Marcos Lopez and with Tanner Beeson, too, had a lot of sloppy passing early on. In part, you know, that's on them. They have to, you know, they have to be a bit sharper to win. But it's also in part due to a very effective press from RSL. And I just, you know, we there's kind of two sides to that equation. Obviously, the press... Uh, loosened up over time and it started to break down and there started to be some gaps and you know that's when San Jose found a, a few better routes forward. But a lot of those mistakes were kind of uh, forced errors rather than unforced. Some of them were unforced, but uh, there was more forced errors in there than perhaps you might have thought. And, and I agree with that,
2: Colin. We totally weren't expecting RSL to press the quakes that high. Um, but I also want to give credit to Marcinkowski because he had some good saves in there. And I think we're about to go to Matias Almeida for the press conference right now. Joined by head
3: coach Matias Almeida. We'll start by taking a few questions, followed by a few more in Spanish with no translation. Let's go ahead and get started with Alicia Rodriguez.
4: Thank you, uh, Matias. Congratulations on the victory tonight. Um, it was a pretty uh, wild ending, something that we've seen over the years from the earthquakes, but um, what did you feel uh, about the game overall and in, in, in how your team played, and, and obviously, uh, what are your reactions? Jake, uh, we're all set.
5: Pedro, can you hear us? Uh, yeah.
3: Okay. Alicia, go ahead. Sorry about that.
4: Uh I guess I'll start over. <laughs> Congrats uh on the victory tonight, Matias. Um wanted to ask about the uh the the way the game uh kind of panned out. Um you know, it seemed like it was kind of a roller coaster for the earthquakes. Um and and RSL gave you quite a test, but in the end you came up uh with the victory. Um what did you think about the overall performance for your team and and what did you make of uh you know, the comeback at the end?
6: Quería preguntarte sobre el partido. Obviamente, Salé que estuvo fuerte y que el partido fue como una montaña rusa para los Quakes. Quería eh, preguntarte qué que pensabas sobre el partido y más que nada de cómo eh, dio vuelta el partido del equipo.
7: Ante todo, buenas noches. Firstly, good evening. Sabíamos del rival que es un rival duro, difícil. We knew that the opponent was tough and difficult. Que había ganado sus dos primeros partidos. They won their first two games. Y el partido estaba parejo. The game was even. Until one minute ago
6: in the first half, in that throw, when they
7: scored a great goal. And I
6: think in the second half, we kept order.
7: We took the
6: risks that we had
7: to take. Y realmente le agradezco a este grupo de jugadores que entreno todos los días por su predisposición.
6: Por su entrega,
7: por sus ganas. Their vo- the, their devotion, their desire, por sus convicciones. Their pero sobre todo las cosas por la humildad que tienen. Y creo que fue, el equipo fue creciendo. And the team was, has been growing, creyó que podía ganar el partido. They believed that they could win the game, y tuvimos nuestro premio and we had our award.
3: Thank you,
2: Matias. Next question from Alex Morgan. Unmuted. Hi, Matias. Thank you for speaking with us tonight, and congratulations on the win, obviously. Thank Uh, Chris Wondolowski comes on in the second half and scores the two goals to win the game. I mean, what can you say about a performance like that? He comes over and celebrates with you uh, a bear hug, and it just feels like he can keep
8: uh, scoring these
6: goals forever. Muted. Felicitadas por el partido. Entró Bondoloski en el segundo tiempo y metió los dos goles y vino y te abrazó. ¿Qué sentido, Bondo? Que es como que se siente que puede seguir metiendo goles por siempre.
7: Sí, creo que le agradecí a él como a todo el grupo
6: recién. I just thanked him like I did with the whole
7: group. Realmente están cubriendo un lugar en mi vida. Eh, que me dan they're
6: really covering a part of my life where they're giving me
7: happiness Toda mi familia grita cada gol como, yo. all
6: my family celebrates
7: each goal as if I'm playing and they're a difficult part that I'm experiencing y con esa que tienen, con esa and eh, with that devotion and willingness Cada uno aporta su granito de arena.
6: All of them give their grain of sand.
7: Y realmente no puedo dejar de agradecerles, de estar orgullosos de ellos.
6: And I really can't stop them and being proud of them. En nombre mío y en nombre de mi familia. So under my name and my family's name.
7: Chris se prepara todos los días. Chris every day. Con... With this conviction, keep on scoring. Y con una and with a very positive part where he supports whoever's turn it is to play. Y el alma como pido cada que toca
6: and he gives his soul like
7: I ask for of, of them every time it's his turn he to mere- come on. Que él haga estos goles. He deserves to Because he's our legend that keeps on scoring. Thank you, Matias. We'll go back to Alicia
3: Rodriguez.
4: Thank you. Uh, Matthias. you um, have a game on somewhat short rest uh, coming up next, and it's against uh, the Seattle Sounders, a, a team that's been a little bit difficult for you over the past couple of years. Um, I know that you're probably need some time to decompress from this game, but, um, you know, what are you looking to improve upon uh, ahead of the next game?
6: Hay un partido con poco descanso ahora el miércoles contra Seattle, un equipo que ha sido difícil enfrentar en los últimos años. Sabes que tal vez necesitas un poco de tiempo de descomprimir este partido, pero ¿qué buscas para mejorar, para prepararte para ese partido?
7: Bueno, en principio nosotros tenemos que regresar a nuestra ciudad,
6: San José.
7: Descansar. Disfrutar este día. enjoy this day. Y ya a partir del domingo empezamos a trabajar con... Con lo que respecta al partido del miércoles.
6: And starting on Sunday, we'll start
7: to work regarding uh, Wednesday's game. Es que cada uno de ellos y se it's important that they all rest and recover. Bueno, que todos
6: los para son and then we'll look into it as we know every, every opponent's difficult. De ser
7: con and we're going to try to be competitive with Seattle.
6: Thank you, Matthias. One last question in English from Alex
3: Morgan.
2: Unmuted. Hi, Matias. Can you talk about uh, the substitutions that you made uh, in the second half? You know, you go into halftime down 1-0. It looks like the team is struggling. Uh, but then you say you're taking risks in the second half to bring on a lot of offensive players. Uh, how did you sort of plan that out uh, going in the second half?
6: Muted. vos uh, hablaste a bit riesgo the risk that you had to take to turn the game Entraste en el entretiempo y el equipo le estaba costando un poco. Si puedes hablar un poco de los cambios que metiste, que eran cambios ofensivos y cómo planificaste para entre esos
7: cambios. Sí, nosotros creo que el primer tiempo estaba dentro de todo estaba parejo porque había llegado de los dos lados. Por ahí ellos habían tenido un travesaño. I think
6: regarding the first half it was even because both teams had their chances. They had they had a
7: shot to hit the crossbar. La jugada del gol de ellos viene de un intento de salir jugando nuestro que convertimos una jugada en lateral
6: Their goal scoring chance from the first their first goal came from a play that we tried to play out of the back and we gave away a throw in
7: y después obviamente entra la virtud del rival hicieron un golazo realmente
6: and then obviously then the virtue of the opponent they, they scored a great goal
7: El segundo tiempo, en el entretiempo, les pedí que mantengan la calma, el orden. Y corregimos algunos puntitos que veíamos que se podía
6: mejorar. Y
7: cuando digo, por eso te agradezco que me hagas esta pregunta porque realmente lo analizaste bien al partido. Perdiendo 1-0, nosotros quedamos con un defensor que da flo we were down one zero and we had we were left with only one defender who was un, slow. Un defensor que era Bekassis, defender, and después todos los jugadores eran todos ofensivos then all the other players were offensive players. Entonces tomamos riesgos so we took risks, y tuvimos nuestro premio.
6: And we got our reward.
7: No siempre sale así esto. Does not always work out this way? Porque el riesgo que tomamos era grande. It was a big uh, big risk that we were taking, pero estábamos convencidos que lo podíamos lograr. But we were convinced that we could achieve it. Cuando yo les digo que los jugadores que entrenamos nosotros todos corren y todos juegan es para estas ocasiones también.
6: When I say the players that we train that everybody runs and everybody plays, it's for these sort of occasions.
7: Se adaptan en varias posiciones y lo que entrenamos.
6: They adapt uh, to play several positions, which is what we practice.
7: Pero yo era consciente que estábamos tomando un gran riesgo.
6: But I was aware that we were taking a big risk.
7: Pero también era consciente que los podíamos dar vuelta.
6: But I was also aware that we could come back. Por suerte salió bien. And fortunately it turned out well.
3: Thank you, Matías. We're going to take three questions in Spanish, starting with Carlos Eustis.
9: Matías, buenas noches. Eh, primero que nada, gracias por por el resultado. Eh, tú, tú siempre no dejas llevar simplemente por el resultado. Creo que una de las cosas, eh, y un poquito haciendo eco a lo que dice Alex, eh, fue el hecho de que no se bajan los brazos y mentalmente fueron muy fuertes y hubo mucha paciencia para seguir ejecutando el plan, que al final de cuentas se veía bien pero bueno, fue pues un golazo, te, te había cambiado el resultado, ¿no? Y, y creo que eso es lo más positivo de, de la noche. ¿no?
7: Sí, realmente, sobre todo en el fútbol, cuando te hacen un gol un minuto antes de que termine el primer tiempo, es como que te da ese balazo de agua fría. Pero bueno, yo les dije, tranquilo, que el partido estaba abierto, y que lo jugáramos con la mentalidad de un 0 a 0 que queríamos ir a ganar el partido, no que íbamos perdiendo con la mentalidad de un 0 a 0 que se podía ganar el partido, pero bueno también estábamos expuestos a a un segundo gol de ellos porque tienen grandes jugadores, un buen sistema de juego pero lo pudimos contrarrestar y bueno, sobre el final tuvimos nuestro premio, gracias al orden, al sacrificio y yo remarco mucho la humildad de este grupo porque realmente dejan todo en cada jugada y bueno, eso, eso es San José eso somos nosotros
3: Gracias,
7: Matías. Next question from Carlos Ramírez. Matías, buenas noches, ¿cómo te va? Buenas noches, Carlos. Profe, octava victoria
10: en la carretera para Matías Almeida desde que llegó a San José. Eh, Esta, por ser donde fue, porque el equipo viajó el mismo día del partido con las complicaciones que eso implica en medio de una pandemia y para hacer la tercera victoria consecutiva, y que ahora tienes tres partidos consecutivos en casa, ¿cómo evalúas, cuán especial es específicamente esta victoria con todos esos condimentos?
7: No, bueno, creo que es importante siempre las victorias, las maneras, la manera más que nada. Creo que la manera fue de esa búsqueda de, de no entregarse, de, de insistir, de, de redoblar, digamos, la apuesta, Eh, por intermedio de cambios más ofensivos, del sacrificio de cada uno de ellos, y bueno, sabemos que nosotros tenemos que ser, de esta manera somos competitivos, de la otra manera creo que hay equipos eh, en la lista mucho más fuertes que nosotros, pero bueno, de esta manera vamos a dar eh, batalla, y y estamos con los pies sobre la tierra, Eh, hay que ir eh, despacio mejorando cosas, siempre hay cosas por mejorar, Pero bueno, son alegrías. Yo, como les dije a los jugadores, cada cosa que me llega hoy en la vida que refleje alegría para mí es sumamente importante y por eso se los agradezco tanto. Gracias, Matías. Una
3: final question from John Rojas.
11: Gracias, Jake. Matías. Gracias por el tiempo. Matías, además de los cambios eh, ofensivos, remedí un rato de central. Judson un rato de central Eh, y y la presión me parece en el segundo tiempo fue más intensa que en el primero ¿esto también fue por diseño o simplemente como lo demás lo fue leyendo en el partido?
7: No, nosotros teníamos una intención en el primer tiempo y bueno, cuando empezamos a perder, modificamos algunos movimientos eh, y bueno, salieron bien pero no dejábamos de tener un equipo muy peligroso contra, que en su juego ofensivo realmente es complicado tienen un jugador como el número 8 de ellos que tiene un gran juego aéreo que te te rompe cualquier línea cabeceando y bueno, tomamos los recados necesarios empezamos a ganar esa pelota, empezamos a ganar la segunda pelota y desde ahí empezamos a tener, digamos, el volumen de juego que que queríamos más allá que íbamos perdiendo, entonces la paciencia, el orden, lo remarco la humildad que tienen estos chicos realmente es, es lindo verlos all right,
3: thank you very much, Matias and Augustine. Congrats on the win and safe travels back to San Jose.
7: Thank you.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to be a little more reticent to challenge Alex Morgan on any of his opinions now, because uh, according to Matias Almeida, quote, you analyze the game well," end quote. Phil, Alex, Phil, I don't think
2: I don't think he enjoyed my analysis as much last September, um, but I'm glad to see I'm glad to hear that he is coming around to appreciate the work we do uh, we do at the aftershock now.
0: Yeah, well, certainly a sign of growth then, if that's the case. But I thought it, I thought that was quite interesting how Matthias talked about how the team is is playing the role of his family. Uh, at this moment, right? We, all, we know about the difficulties that Matias Almeida has had to deal with recently with the passing of his father. And the team uh, has gone out there and kind of become a, 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 something that gives him joy. You know, something that has become a greater part of his life. Not just the coaching and the, uh, you know, the personnel aspect, but the actual being a family member for him.
1: If he, I mean, you know, the the term he was using is "agradecido." You know, he was, he's, he's, there's gratitude. Yeah, he, he feel it's it's actually like this very beautiful thing. You don't hear coaches speak in these terms usually, particularly in the anglophone word uh, world. But um, you know, he he keeps on talking about how much joy he gets from training his players, how much uh, you know, how much joy he gets from that family, and how grateful he is to do so. Uh, so for him, it really does feel like more you know of a calling rather than just a simple vocation, and that in some ways gets back to that original Asher um, Cohen article that we had uh, earlier in the cycle about, you know, for, for him, football is a cause and a purpose, you know, as much as it is, a, you know, uh, a job where he's just, you know, punching in his clock or whatever, and we got a lot more of that today. He's a Ted Lasso is not a bad comparison in that sense. But he is wired so much hotter and more intense than Ted lasso because you know I mean, Almeida has no chill right and that's part of the thing that we love about him is that he is full hard on his sleeve at all times um, and but yeah, in the same way it's it's kind of a, a deep vocation
2: and And I think I saw it in the the moment after Chris Rondolowski saw, scored the the equalizer when Rondo, he, he sort of took a moment to orient himself because you know Wando after he scores uh, is very, very excited. So he took a moment to orient himself and then he lasered in on Matias Almeida and ran straight across the field for a giant bear hug uh, with Matias. And it's just those moments where you can see the connection in this squad and where you can really sense that Matias is building a, a family, as he says. And honestly, I think sort of that buy-in and that... Um, sort of excitement translates across the TV. I mean, I'm having so much fun watching the quakes this season just because of the amount of risks they are taking. You know, in that second half, to put on Wondolowski, Matias Almeida took out uh, a center back. I think it was it was Tanner Beeson, right? He took out Tanner Beeson to put on Chris Wondolowski. Uh This is early in the season. You know, he's still chasing those wins. He's subbing off a center back, throwing on Wanda, going all out attacking to get, uh, that victory. And it totally worked tonight, uh, you know, with the the two one comeback victory. And so even though they struggled in the first half uh, the question I asked him was, you know, how he planned those subs for the second half. He took off both the fullbacks who were both struggling. You know, he put on Shea Salinas, he puts on Luciano Abacasis. I thought both of them, you know, added a lot when they came on. And then it's just about throwing as many men forward as they can and you know, with that buy-in and with that willingness to take risks, you know, it just makes the, the quakes kind of fun to watch.
1: Well, something you know, we can put this up on the screen right now. But something that Marcelo uh, just just pointed out is something that I also noticed is that he does not always go for the individual compliments unless he's specifically directed in that way. Uh, but Matias really did go for Wando in particular. Um, you know, calling him one of our legends. Uh, the end of the, uh, of the club. Um, and that's, you know, that, that kind of, that relationship they have is something that's there. And I kind of want to propose something controversial, maybe it's not controversial, but we'll find out in a second. The, there was not a lot of incomings and outgoings over the opposite. Well, there were, there were a couple, uh, but it was not an, an, a total roster overhaul by any stretch of the imagination. But one of the things that happened was the, the last remaining guys, that weren't his guys. Left. We and, on now. Yeah, we'll get Wanderowski in a second, but I think you all see where I'm going with that.
8: Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, uh, I mean, monumental for me. I, uh, to be honest, even after the Houston game, uh, the first two weeks, I probably had the my worst two plays in my career back-to-back and uh, I can't be thankful enough for the teammates uh, that I have that picked me up and also the coaching staff and uh, I say Matias and it's a lot of it is Matias but uh, it's his coaching staff as well with uh, Omar and Turco I mean uh, and uh, Guido as well and so it's uh, those guys really helped propel me and so that's why I you know wanted to repay them Uh, they've been the wind behind my, my back, and I needed them the last couple weeks. Uh, but i proud proud of this group and proud to be a part of it, and so very thankful for them.
3: Thank you, Wando. Next question from Carlos Ramirez.
2: Hey, Chris, how are you? Doing well. How are you, Chris? Uh, again, man, we need those hats, brother. We need them. <laughs> I
6: can't find them anywhere. Help me out. What's up, with <laughs>
8: Yeah, there's still uh, there's some limited. We got one soccer, but uh, it's uh, yeah. We uh, I'll fill you guys up when we're back home.
2: And, uh, on, on a more serious, uh, on a more serious note, Chris, uh, is this team getting enough attention in the Bay Area? Because it's it's hard to find people, media, uh, paying
6: enough attention to a team that's leading the Western Conference, playing like it is with
2: young talent, with veteran talent that's beating teams home and away. definite fashion does this team deserve more attention
8: i i think that we will be able to establish more attention as we continue to grow uh being a bay area diehard fan of everything i you know i think that you you need to show that you have the good product it's uh it's it's great watching the warriors as they push for the playoffs and uh push for the a seed and uh, it's exciting watching them. the Giants, uh, you know, I think I believe are leading the West and, you know, the A's are doing their thing. And so, uh, you know, the Bay Area, you, you need to win. You should be winning. It's a it's a great area. It's a great market, uh, you know, and I think that we need to continue to show what we have and what we can do. I think that we have a very exciting product and when more eyes get to see us and watch us and um See, see the product on the field and be able to see the results as well. I think that'll really be the catalyst to our attention and to, uh, you know, to our success as well.
12: Thank you, Wanda. Next question from John Rojas. Thank you, Jake. Um, hey, Chris.
11: Um, Matias keeps saying this year that uh, that you guys with your willingness to give it all and your performances are giving him and his family the happiness that, that he needs right now after losing his father. Are you guys aware that right now, for him, you guys are more than a team and football is more than a
8: game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's very cliche to say, but uh, we believe down... You know, it doesn't need... Uh, you know, I believe that it's family over biology sometimes. You know, you don't need blood to uh, to be a family, and uh, we have it. And so just like how that whole staff and our team picked me up, uh, we, we try to pick Matias up as well. We, we know that you always can't bring your 100% each day, and that's why a family uh, will always ha- have your, have each other's backs. And, uh, you know, we're, we're brothers. We we'll always battle on the field, fight. Uh, but when we get to the locker room, we're going to – Hug each other. We're going to have each other's back, and we're going to fight uh, tooth and nail for for every inch. And uh, you know, we we'll make sure that our teammate has each other's back, and I have his. And uh, you know, that goes for Matias and his whole staff as well. Uh, you know, it, the love is there, and we'll do anything we can to help fill that void. We know it's it's hard times for him. You know, it's uh, I, I can't imagine, and I I hope I. Don't have to for a long time, but it's uh, it's devastating. And so our our hearts with him, our love's with him, but he makes us stronger, and I think we make him stronger as well.
3: Thank you, Wanda. We're gonna take two more questions, starting with Alicia Rodriguez.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, Chris, I have a little bit of a kind of a left field question, but in a game like this, when you're coming off the bench, um, the team is chasing the game. And you probably know that you're only going to get one or two looks, um, you know, in limited minutes. Like, how are you able to kind of keep your nerve and keep your patience while you know you're waiting for service from your teammates or you're waiting for that rebound to to pop up so you can you can hit that shot? Like, how how does that work as your you know in in your mindset as you're as you're waiting for that chance to come if if it's going to come at all?
8: You have to stay optimistic, and that's something as a luckily as a striker, I can always be optimistic. I, I can always think that that chance is coming to me and uh, go finish it and go make that run. And so I think that, you know, I also had the opportunity to study the game. I think Cade absolutely grinded and wore down those two center backs. But playing in altitude, I noticed throughout the game that the ball would sail. It looked like chest and it end up at their neck or head. And so it, it sailed those two extra two yards. And to be honest, when it left Fierro's in the second goal, when it left Fiero's foot, I had the patience and the wherewithal to to stay there. Cause I, I, I believe I was just glad he, he took a step forward and I, I would have done the same as well. Uh, you know, I think that C level that ball gets there and he clears it, but I kind of stayed the course and uh, you know, was able to uh, pick the point and, and finish it. And great ball by Fierro. Oh my gosh, what a ball by the way. Random.
12: Thank you, Wando. Uh, last
9: question from Carlos Justiz. Wando, good evening, and, and congratulations for the two goals. Uh, walk me through the celebrations because we saw with Osvaldo in the first on the first week, and and now you you decide and go both times with, with Matias. Is that something that you guys have talked about within the team? Is it planned? Just a spur of the moment? Because it's 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 really emotional. It's a really nice thing to see.
8: No, Absolutely, uh, you know, definitely. Uh, not premeditated. Uh, it's just a pure emotion. Um, for me, myself, I wanted, uh, you know, I mean, this is kind of the face of it. And so, you know, you're the head of it, I should say. And I want to thank him just for giving the confidence. And that's what I just kept telling him. I was just, thank you. Thank you for believing, still believing in me, still giving me this chance and this opportunity. And um, you know my, my other hug was for Omar. Uh, he he he's he's unbelievable. He works with with the Fords and offensive guys, and uh, he does so much work. And Matias gets a lot of the credit, and as he should. He should. But it's uh, I, I don't know. He has a great staff. Yeah, you know, the, the staff I think sometimes gets overlooked a little bit, but um, it's it there, there's something special as well. And so uh, for me, that that was. You know, again, it wasn't a premeditated thing. It was just uh, emotional, and I, I I wanted to thank him. I want to thank him for, for the opportunity and uh, the continued opportunity because, uh, you know, wouldn't be be here still without him. All right. Thank you very much,
3: Wondo. Congrats on the goals and the victory.
0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. I hope all the young soccer players out there were taking notes because that was a master class from Chris Wondolowski. He said he stayed the course there. I mean, he was almost, you know, about to bite on that uh, that play in which Fierro sent the ball in. But he stayed the course. He positioned himself well. He scores the goal. And also, uh, he gives credit to Carlos Fierro. Just, I mean, you can feel the connection with the players right now, the chemistry uh, with these guys. So, pretty cool stuff I to mean, hear from Chris Wondolowski about his teammates. I, I just think
2: it's remarkable the self-awareness that Chris has to be able to, to describe that play. In, in so much detail like that and the exact thought process that went through his head in that play, how he sort of waited in that pocket of space and let the center back jump for the ball miss the challenge and then pop in right behind him. I mean, it's impressive that he's able to describe it uh, that clearly. Um, but, you know, you could describe it to me a million times and I'd still never be able to do it. It's just the intuition that he has and sort of the, the third, the sixth sense that he has to get in behind in those areas. I mean, you know, it was a sort of a tap in finish, but you could see it in the first goal too, where he just was in the exact right spot at the right time. And that's not a coincidence. And that's how I think he's been able to score. What is it now? 169 goals in major league soccer. It's just uh, absolutely ridiculous. And, and honestly, he could do it. In, you know, until he's 50 because it, it doesn't take a ton of physicality it's all uh, mental and I, mean, I think this is a funny comment here from, from Michael. He says, Wanda would wait 80 minutes on the field for a chance to score. Now at least he, he, he gets to sit down while he waits. And I, I think that's funny, but there's also like an element of truth to it, right? Because you know, he's a brilliant super sub to bring in in those last 10 minutes when uh, you know, the defenders are tired and uh, you know the Quakes are pushing for a goal. I, I think this is a, a brilliant new role that he has found for himself
1: uh, in this team. I mean, it, the funny thing is, you know, if you talk to to Wando, you know, he, he'll he'll make self deprecating comments about like not being the smartest guy. He's like, yeah, I went to Chico, like I'm not the, you know, not the best at interviews or whatever. But like, what's going on in his brain there is is really true genius material. Like, like he is a a genius soccer player and. You know, he doesn't have the I mean, he has none of the physical gifts of Cade Cowell, right? Cade Cowell has like every gift that Wando doesn't. Um, But what he's doing there, the geometry of the game for him is just operating on a different level for everybody else. Uh, He spent the entire game watching and studying and kind of trying to figure out the tendencies and what was going on. And he figured out how to break him more like it was a chess game. Uh, And it actually reminded me, tell me if you guys uh, resonate with this, that moment in that big Bulls documentary that the ESPN did, that last dance where Dennis Rodman is talking about the way that he studies rebounds and the geometry of like how rebounds, you know, come off one way or the other. And it was just clear that he was a savant of rebounding and and thought about it at kind of a deeper level than anybody else did. That's Wando here. Wando for both of those goals is making a or a read on the geometry of the game based on the particular conditions. And all of that's decided ahead of time. And that's why I love when people are like, Oh, Wando tap merchant. Like, yeah, he is a tap in merchant. He's a genius at it. Like he generates these tap ins that nobody else does. There's a reason he has 168 now.
0: And if we and were you know- around the horn right now, Colinette and I, you would get like 10 of those little dings, ding, 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 ding. ding, ding Cause you like nailed the, uh, the comparison there with Dennis Rodman. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, that is like the perfect comparison, but it's an, it's amazing. It, it is genius is exactly what it is. How, you know, Dennis Rodman explains, I could sense where the ball was going to go. It got to the point, like he wasn't measuring or anything. He just had a sense of where it was going to go. And we can see that in Chris Wondolowski as well. That's like the genius of Wondolowski. Right. And,
2: and I think that that's what makes me really, really glad that, that he is around this season, not only because he's going to put in hopefully another, another 10 goals this season. I think, uh, I, that was one of the predictions I had, uh, early in preseason. I went on the tectonic takes podcast and asked me for my tectonic take. And it was that, you know, Chris Wondolowski would score, uh, another double digit haul this season. And, you know, he's, he's one fifth of the way, way there already, but it's that. And the fact that he is teaching Cade Cowell, how to do this over the off season. Uh, he spent a lot of time working on Cade Cowell with his finishing, uh, and, you know, just Cade being able to absorb all that wisdom in watching and replicating that movement over and over and over again in, in practice is, I think, one of the big reasons why his finishing has improved so much uh, o- over the offseason. And I think, you know, I-, I think that put Cade in a really, really strong position to continue to develop his game and turn into an
0: elite goal
1: scorer. I'd like to uh, by, by the way, one. Shift
0: to... Oh, go ahead, Colin.
1: Just just before a very quick one, I big, I love the I, the fact that he went out and shouted out some of the assistants, not just Omar Zarif, who he works with the attackers, but the the strength coach Guido Benini. I think I have that right here. You know, he was like, "Let's dig into that family a little bit deeper than Almeida. Almeida is the head; he's the face of it. But you know, we have this entire staff supporting us. Uh, so for those of you who aren't tracking, you know, or who don't think about those other guys, he's saying like these other guys are they matter. They're part of the people who uh, you know get us." pushed along. But anyway, go ahead, Phil, transition.
0: So I was just going to transition to another part of the field and the ref might be the one who actually wears the watch and keeps the time for the match. But sometimes it seems like Eric or Medi is the guy that's doing it because when the quakes are in possession, he is the one that is holding onto the ball, uh, you know, absorbing the pressure from the opposing team. And in cases where they are playing on defense perhaps getting a yellow card as we saw in this match. So uh, Brian points to the fact that another yellow card for Remetti and he will be suspended for uh, a match. Right. And I think there's like a $250 fine or something like that associated with it. But uh, also guys, we do have Judson finding his form as well. So look, if it means that the Quakes are going to slow down an attack that is going to cause a really dangerous opportunity for the opposing team, I think a yellow card is necessary. And in this case, this type of professional foul is going to be a huge benefit for the team. So um, just going into the discussion about the midfield here, guys, uh, what do we think about the Quakes per- or you know, being able to pick up on RSL's press when perhaps it wasn't something they had anticipated coming into this match and Eric Rometty and Jackson Yule showing poise on the ball and being able to distribute and work their way out of that uh, through buildup from the back? I mean, I, I guess I'm in the minority here and that I'm
2: still not entirely convinced by that midfield partnership. I think individually they both had outstanding games, but they really weren't able to control the midfield in the way that I think Jackson Ewell and Judson were able to last season. And I mean, Eric Hermetti is sort of ever-present. He's all over. He's dropping deep into the spaces to distribute the ball. He's winning tackles in the middle. Uh, but I just haven't seen the connection from him and Jackson yet. And uh, I, I, I think that uh, somebody said it in the, I think, the Quakes Epicenter uh, Slack. And, uh, if he become a, a patron to uh, Quakes Epicenter, because that's the, the game chat that we have in our Slack. Uh, is is a really fun place for us to share sort of our, our live commentary and answer, but somebody said it's uh, sort of like a race uh, against time between uh, Remedi accumulating that, that yellow card suspension and Judson returning from, from injury. Right. Uh, And I think we saw Judson again today, slot in at center back actually late in the game uh, when, when Matias Amri, I think was sort of content uh, after Wando scored the equalizer uh, but I think that there is a chance that uh, Judson uh, will. Uh, we will see him in the midfield again very shortly if either Rometty gets a yellow, um, or I think Almeida might just think at some point, I'm going to see if if the Jackson and, and Judson can sort of pick up where they left off last season and improve their partnership in the middle again.
0: I love it because it's another dimension that the Quakes have, it's another uh, approach to the game. I think that's important too. Uh, before we get to Carlos Fierro in the press conference, I want to really quickly do some housekeeping here. Earlier in the chat on YouTube, I just looked back on it right now. We had a comment from RG. He said, "Didn't know this channel was a thing. Just subscribed." So if you are watching right now, take a moment to subscribe to the channel and like the uh, the video if you are enjoying our post game analysis. Uh, another thing, Alex, you mentioned the Slack. Oh, before we get to that. We haven't seen something. I mean, we have Carlos. Go ahead.
3: started with Alex Morgan.
12: Unmuted.
5: Muted. Eh, felicidades por la victoria y por la asistencia. Dice que eh, el equipo ha marcado 10 goles en cuatro partidos. Eh, ¿Cuál es la diferencia entre la parte ofensiva de este equipo este año a comparación de, de, otros, de otros partidos de la temporada pasada?
10: Muchas gracias. gracias. Eh, buenas noches. Eh, sí, contentos eh, por la victoria. El equipo bajó los brazos y peleó hasta el final y como lo dices la ofensiva eh, está muy bien pero creo que también la defensiva eso hizo es un gran trabajo eh, estamos contentos por ello y, y no nada más que el pasar del tiempo nos vamos conociendo cada vez más eh, eso ha ayudado mucho al crecimiento del equipo y, y se ha notado en cada partido first of all thank
5: you and good evening to everyone uh, yeah I, I think it's just credit to to the entire team as a whole um, you're right in the sense that that the offensive players are, are doing a lot better, but I think it's also credit to the defensive players tonight. Um, and it's just gonna take time. We're spending a lot more time bonding together, getting to know one another. So uh, really happy where the team is now and we're gonna continue to on that path.
12: Thank you, Carlos. Next question from John Rojas. Thanks, see. Carlos. Cuando
11: en el segundo tiempo cuando vienen los cambios que que, que hacen tomar el riesgo, Eric Remedio va de central, eh, ustedes se reacomodan, es como ustedes adentro sienten el mensaje como aquí vamos, o sea nos vamos al todo o al nada ahora sí.
10: Sí así es, eh, yo trabajo abajo el marcador y el técnico hace los cambios, ¿no? Y cuando hace esos cambios. Uno ya sabe que tiene que ir por todo. Tenemos un, un técnico que le gusta ir por todo y, eh, y a ganar. Eh, a nadie le gusta perder y ese fue el mensaje, fue muy claro. Cuando dice, Eric fue de central, yo fui de contención, hubo cambios por las bandas eh, adelante. Eh, era un equipo ofensivo totalmente y bueno. Gracias a Dios eh, salieron los cambios perfectamente y se ganó el partido.
5: Uh, the question was on how the team's mentality changed. Um, towards the end of the game and Fiora responded uh, yes you're right I think it's uh, just the I think it's the changes that the team made um, on the second half Uh, the team completely became a lot more offensive Uh, Eric and I switched there were new players on the sides and um, our coach is just the type of coach that that goes all in Uh, he wants to give it all he wants to go for the victory for the win so uh, I think credit to all of those things and uh, thanks to God, we were able to secure the win tonight.
10: Thank you, Carlos. We'll take three more questions, starting with Carlos Ramirez. Tocayo, how are you? Fuerte abrazo. Thank you, Tocayo. Thank you. Primero, felicidades por el embarazo. Muchas gracias. Gracias, Tocayo. En segundo lugar, explícanos un poco a la gente que no ha jugado a fútbol de forma profesional, que somos la mayoría, ¿qué es lo más difícil de viajar el mismo día de un partido? Eh, obviamente sí es, es complicado, ¿no? Eh, levantarte un poco más temprano. Eh, desayunamos en el club eh, alrededor de las 8.15, 8.30 m. Eh, viajamos, eh, llegamos al hotel, a la luna por ahí tuvimos comida, después a las, a las 3 otra vez comida. Eh, es un poco complicado ya que no tienes el mismo descanso, ¿no? Pero bueno, eh, viajamos en también viajamos en charter. Ah uh, la liga está haciendo todo lo posible para tener esa comunidad y que no sea tan pesado los viajes. Y bueno, tuviste al final un poco cansados, pero peleamos todo el partido
5: Ah, so, for everyone, the question was on the complications on same day flights uh, to which Carlos responded. Ah, uh, yes, I think there are a couple of challenges. Uh, this morning, we had breakfast with the team back in San Jose. Uh, We got on the plane, we got to the hotel on the same day. We had a couple meals and then we headed to the stadium after. Um, So there are a little bit of challenges. Um, You have less rest. Uh, Regardless, the league is also doing their part to help us in that sense. We are flying on charter planes, so that is definitely a plus. Um, Towards the end of the day, we are a little tired, but I think Overall, we're doing what we can, and um, it's it's going well so far.
12: Thank you. Two more
3: questions, starting with Carlos Eustis.
9: Bueno, buenas noches. Eh, felicidades por por el triunfo, y creo que eh, también te puedes sentir completo con tu rendimiento, no solamente en este partido, sino en en los últimos, ¿no? Eh, Creo que un poquito el hecho de haber tenido una una pretemporada muy exigente de irse acomodando con las nuevas piezas, de tener un poquito más de ayuda con piezas como Eric Remedy, ha sacado lo mejor de ti. ¿Cómo te sientes? Hoy das una asistencia, el primer gol, pues básicamente sale después de un un disparo tuyo. Eh, ¿Cómo sientes que va tu rendimiento en en estas últimas victorias?
10: Hola, 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 muchas gracias. Eh, contento, sí, estoy contento con, con el rendimiento, como siempre lo he dicho, eh, trato de dar por ciento, eh, entre de cambio, estoy de inicio, eh, siempre trataré de dar lo mejor de mí, eh, como te digo, estoy contento por por, lo, por el momento que, que estoy pasando, obviamente me gustaría eh, meter gol, ¿no? pero bueno, eh, con paciencia ya llegará, eh, mientras el equipo siga ganando, uno va a estar contento, entonces esto es trabajo de equipo y vamos para adelante todos juntos.
5: The question was on his performance dating back to preseason earlier this year, uh, to which Fiero responded, "Uh, yes, I'm very happy with my performance so far. Um, I've definitely, I think I've improved uh, ever since the beginning of the year. Uh, Obviously, I would like to score a goal, um, but I'm very happy with the assist tonight, and that's just my contribution to the team. Uh, This is a team effort, uh, so we're very happy and excited where we are right now.
3: Thank you, Carlos, and the last question of the night goes to Alicia Rodriguez.
4: Thanks very much. Um, Carlos, uh, congrats. Uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about the assist in particular. Uh, Wanda Lowski said that it, he, he really complimented your your ball. He said it was a great ball. Um, it it looked like one of those like really sweet hits. And um, Wanda also noted that the ball seemed like it was sailing, uh, especially at that end of the field. Did you have to make any kind of on-the-fly adjustments when, when you put that ball up in the air, or was it kind of you were just going for it on adrenaline in the final minutes? Like, walk, walk us through the assist a little bit, please. Thanks.
5: La pregunta de ella es de tu asistencia, en lugar de Wando. Dice ella que se vio que era una pelota muy limpia en ese sentido. Que si puedes platicar un poco más a fondo sobre cómo lo viviste, tu reacción, qué fue lo que hiciste antes de mandar el
10: centro. Sí, fue un pase que, que le dan a, a Lucho, donde la deja pasar y, y me, cae, me cae a mí unos pies. Eh, Vuelto rápidamente al área y veo que, que hay compañeros ahí, Matías, escucho el grito de Matías que me dice, tírala, tírala. Entonces, sin pensarlo, le doy un toque al balón y yo el centro, ¿no? Eh, y sé que Andy y Wando siempre están ahí peleando las goles y, bueno, Wando como ustedes lo conocen, eh, es la que tiene la meta y, bueno, eh,
5: Yeah, I think it's, uh, I believe it started from a pass uh, from Lucho um, who then sent it over to me, it landed on my feet and I just took it over and I remember hearing Matias yell over and say, just cross the ball. Um, So I did. And I always know that Wando or Andy, um, or both are always there in the area ready to to receive service. So um, thanks to God, it landed on Wando and he was able to make it in.
3: All right. Thank you very much, Carlos. Congrats on the victory and safe travels back to San Jose.
0: Love that from Carlos Fierro. Matias <laughs> says, kick it, kick it. That's- that's one of. Anyway, um, I see people Hit bagging it. on Carlos Fierro's hair in the chat, and I just want to say, like, I think that's the look that we should be, all be going for right now, considering that sweet cross that he sent. Him. But anyway, Colin, you have uh, something that you wanted well, to mention statistically about Carlos Fierro.
1: I got, I got a, cre- a credit Asher here. Uh, he says that fought Mob had. So I, I'm, I'm one of the people who is regularly skeptical of Carlos Fierro. So you can all rub this in my face that, I, that when I'm wrong uh and it's usually the frustration comes mostly from the fact of you know the amount of money he's paid versus his quality on the ball which can kind of come and go but one thing that is inarguable is his movement and his effort and his defensive work so what we have here on foot mob is that he was six of eight in duels today two of two in aerial duels an interception and four recoveries that's from a winger that's from a wide player and that's why he's on the field and of course he does occasionally come up with those big moments of, you know, technical attacking work like that excellent cross into Chris Wondolowski. But even if he's frustrating for 80 minutes on the ball, he's he's doing that kind of work off the ball. And, and that's where his value is.
2: And, and I thought it was interesting how he gave a shout out to Matthias Almeida. He said that uh, in that moment, you know, his head wasn't really facing the goal, so he didn't know. Uh, what the picture looked like in the box, but Matias shouted, cross the ball. And so, uh, you know, on the uh, sort of turn of a dime, he launched a gorgeous, you know, cross field pass and and crossed right to Wando's head. Uh, and so I thought that that shout out was interesting. And I, I mean, I, I'm glad that Matias kept him on the field for that moment. I'm glad that Matias had faith in him because uh, I, I was saying in the Slack the, the quake seven center Patrick slack that I thought he should be the first sub uh, because, you know, he was sort of quiet. He wasn't really uh, contributing much going forward, but as you say, Colin, you know, his work rate off the ball uh, is, you know, really a huge asset to this team and the amount that he runs and gets himself in the right spaces. Uh, that's really important. And even more so as the game, as the clock ticks down, as the game gets late uh, when a lot of other players, are maybe losing a little bit of
1: focus and there's sort of more spaces to exploit like that. Um t- One. So I, I, just, because I was making this point, you know, much earlier on there is, there are tactical elements here, but really there are certain coaches that they're, you know, they're trainers and they're tacticians. There's other coaches that are, you know, and I, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but they're more like cult leaders, right? They're people who, you know uh, who you want to charge into battle with them no matter what. Uh, the, and there's a lot of really good coaches that are like that. They're man managers. Almeida is that guy. One of the things though that I, that I was going to say about the changes that we saw in this off season is you had the last remaining guys from that Almeida inherited that weren't his guys and weren't on board with the project that didn't really buy into this concept of family. You know, Nick Lima clearly never did Um yeah, Kasia and Vako, I think probably never did. Huson, you know, was, I, I don't know if that was a personality conflict or it just doesn't really fit the system. But, you know, the guys who who weren't really in all left. And the guys who replaced him are all people who had connections with Almeida before. Uh, so now you have an, a, a squad exclusively of guys who buy into that family ethos. And that could be the difference. That could be the, the what this off season was about was, you know, because again, it didn't feel like we, You know, added huge, really talented pieces all over the pitch to remake the roster on a tactical or technical level. Uh, Although there were some good additions to depth, it felt much more like it was creating the exact perfect environment for Almeida. And that's why I keep saying this season is going to be, for good and for bad, uh, a true reflection of what an Almeida team is.
0: Okay, let's do a bit of housekeeping really quickly one more time, and then I'm going to throw it to you guys for your final thoughts, and we're going to get on out of here. So, uh, if you are watching right now, obviously you know that we have our post-game analysis every time on YouTube after the matches, but we also have a Twitter account that is active through Quakes Epicenter. So even though this is the aftershock, we are an affiliate of Quakes Epicenter. So if you go to www.quakesepicenter.com, you can find articles from our great writers like Colin Nyer and Alex Morgan and Asher and Robert Jonas and all kinds of great content on there. If you want to support the show, if you want to support the website and Quake's Epicenter, you can join our Patreon. For $2 a month, you can become a member and you get access, early access to articles. You get access to the images that are taken by Alex's brother, Aaron Morgan, who does a fantastic job. We've seen some really cool stuff uh, on there. Nice pictures of Cade Cowell had just been uploaded onto the website. There are also other options for $5. You can also join our Patreon Slack, which is a lot of fun. You can talk to us. You can talk to other members who are on there as well. And for $15 a month, you can check this all on the website. There are some other great things that we offer as well. I think that about sums it up for that stuff, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to whoever would like to give some final thoughts, final takes here, and then we're going to wrap up the show neither one of you
1: Well I just went so I'll give it to Alex first.
0: Alex Morgan what you got
2: sure I'll take it uh, I mean that was a, a smash and grab victory as Colin said at the top of the show I think the quakes struggled uh, in the in the first half I was ready to come on this show and sort of lament uh, their woes and you know we were talking about in the pregame how you know the quakes were really fun in the first three matches they had a standout. Perform a couple of standout performances from Kate Cowell. Uh, they scored a lot of goals. It was a really good, good time at PayPal Park. And you know, this run of games in May, this next stretch of matches was when we would find out whether they really are a good team. And you know, I was sort of ready to come on the show and say, well, they're probably going to struggle a lot this season because uh, you know, they're going to get exploited down the middle by teams who play a, a, a mid block. Uh, And, you know, their defense is a little too shaky. Uh, But they turned it around. And I think that, you know, the offensive power that they have the options that they have going forward uh, is is the catalyst for that. That's the reason why the Quakes will succeed this season. He had a couple good moments. He fired a couple shots. uh, But he didn't, you know, have – the sort of goal scoring performance that he had against FC Dallas and DC United. When he gets shut down, they have Chris Wondolowski to come on, you know, they have Andy Rios to come on. They have Carlos Fierro, they have trophies, all those options up top, I think uh, will, will make this team really, really good. Uh, And, you know, I think if you add uh, another piece to the defense, a DP center back has kind of been banging that drum for a couple of weeks now. I, I think that they could go really far this season. Um, But look, I mean, maybe Matias Almeida would look at this team. I mean, look look at the table right now. Where are the Quakes? They're top of the Western Conference right now. They have, you know, 10 10 goals in four games, uh, three wins and a loss. Maybe Matias Almeida looks at this team and goes, I'm pretty content with where the squad is at right now. Maybe he does that. Maybe the Quakes ownership uh, will will look at this and go, we're not going to invest in a team that's already winning. But from my perspective, this is the time to double down. This is the time for Jesse Fiorenelli and John Fisher, the ownership, to realize this is their moment. This is their season uh, to really push for it. And I, I think if you add a couple more pieces to this team, uh, they're going to be really, really strong contenders
0: this year. You did the thing that I forgot to do. Look at the standings, folks. Go and look at those standings. Quakes are pushing for the supporter Shield early on in the season. Hey, uh, we'll, we will be back on Wednesday – uh, that is May 12th after the game against the Seattle Sounders. That's a home game. That's going to be at 730, which means that we will be on around 930. And some folks were asking about Jamin Moore. He will be back on the show on Wednesday. One thing that I want to note is that as we are doing this during the season, we will be rotating hosts as well. So we'll have some other folks on who are affiliated with Quake's Epicenter. Um as well. So, for example, I will not be here next Wednesday, but we will have somebody here to take over the hosting duties. So, it's as simple as that. Uh, and then, oh, one last thing. Twitter spaces. Uh, one, I did not shout out Alex Morgan for being freaking awesome in the MLS Twitter space that was hosted uh, by the dudes at Extra Time Radio. Way to make us proud, Alex. Great job. And also, we do impromptu impromptu Twitter spaces as well. We did one today, uh, hosted by Colin Etnire, me, Anae, Alex, and we had Jamin for a while. So be sure to keep a lookout on Twitter for those as well. Again, at Quakes Epicenter, you can find us on there. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It was an awesome game. I had a lot of fun joining, uh, having you guys join me for the show tonight on Quakes Epicenter, the Aftershock podcast and show. Um, good night.
1: night, hey, everybody.